Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. We are on to episode 95 my guest today is Stacy Isidro, and she is going to talk about sober sexuality and healing your sexuality and uh, a lot that comes with that. So it was a great conversation. I really enjoyed having Stacy talk about such an important topic in recovery, and that is healing our sexuality. It's so central to so many of our wounds that having her on to talk about it was great. So before we start, if you are enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please rate and review us in iTunes or think about sharing us with a friend and join our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and type in the Addicted Mind podcast, click join and continue the conversation online there. Also, I'm the founder of Novus Mindful Life Institute, Family Counseling and Recovery in Long Beach, California. If you or anyone you know is struggling with any of life's challenges, reach out to us. I know we can help. You can find more information about us at theaddictedmind.com forward slash help. And one more favor to ask, if you would like to share your story or message of hope you can go to theaddictedmind.com, click on the link that says, share your message of hope. It can be a poem, it can be a quote, it can be your own journey of hope. I'd love to get your voices onto the Addicted Mind podcast so that people can hear stories of, of hope, that recovery is possible that things do get better, especially during this time of the pandemic. And, you know, it can be difficult to hold on to hope. So we need to hear each other's messages of hope. Okay, let's go ahead and get this episode started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My guest today is Stacy Isidro, and she is going to talk about sober sexuality. Stacy, please introduce yourself. Hi there. I'm Stacy Isidro, and I am a sober sex coach or sex and recovery coach. 
For over 10 years, I've accumulated over 10,000 hours of education and experience in all things sexual. I have studied a lot of Tantra and sacred sexuality and sexology, BDSM, and also the erotic blueprints. I'm acknowledged by the World Association of Sex Coaches and also by Jaya, who is a world-renowned sexologist that is the founder of the Erotic Blueprints. And I've been working really closely with her the last couple of years. You may have seen her as a speaker on Tony Robbins or on Good Morning America or even The View or Oprah Magazine. And I've been working with her to expand my understanding and my application of the erotic blueprints to help my coaches and to help myself and my personal life and my clients. Awesome. I'm so glad that you decided to, you know, come on to the podcast. I think this is a topic that so many people need help with, especially when they get into sobriety. So let's just jump in. Let's how how did you start this work? So I had started sex coaching over 10 years ago. Um, I started out with just a business and life coaching certification that I was using in the salons. I was a salon professional working behind the chair as a stylist and training stylist and working with our leadership team and being a partner in salons. And as I was going through that process, you know, business and life coaching is kind of uh, vague and they always want you to find your niche. So I went through a few processes and all the common threads were around spirituality and sexuality. So that's when I started taking this deep dive into the world of spirituality and sexuality and sex coaching, which led me to get a couple different sex coaching certifications and studying sexology. And I also have experience with addiction and recovery in my personal life. So after about 10 years of working with mostly couples and men uh, around sacred sexuality, Tantra, mostly helping men with premature ejaculation or erectile dysfunction, energetic orgasm. I got to a point where I really wanted to, you know, move into something a little different and deeper. And that's when I found the erotic blueprint certification and I did that. And, um, Since I've started going on that journey with Jaya, I've really come into this new space of seeing the need for people to get some coaching around sexuality and sobriety or sex and recovery. That's that's great. Um, You know, I, I think our sexuality is so much a part of our spirituality. It's such a core part of who we are. And so for a lot of people who struggle with addiction, and maybe they have a lot of that, I guess I would call it wounding of the spirit, their sexuality is impacted by by that trauma. Absolutely. Um, sexuality is such a huge part of being a human being. Um, from my perspective, I guess it's kind of a Taoist, but I believe that orgasmic energy is the life force energy and it flows through us and makes us alive. And so we can experience that in a lot of different ways on a day-to-day basis in different levels of intensity, but that sexual orgasmic energetic exchange that occurs is something that's so deeper, so much deeper and brings us to, you know, something that's bigger than us. And for me, addiction has really been about isolation yes, and um, being disconnected with spirit 
And so going into recovery and being able to reconnect with my higher power and with spirit, it just was natural to recover my sex life in the process. So I just really felt that it all kind of blended together. Right. Yeah, definitely. I think you're absolutely right. So tell me a little bit about when someone is in sobriety and they're starting to look at their sexuality, what are some of the issues that you see and that come up and that are common with uh, that process? So for me, sex was not always conscious and honoring. It was more about power and manipulation, control. It was about feeling needed or seeking validation. It was about people-pleasing others, and it was through sex. So I've seen people go through similar things. Also, once getting sober, like kind of feeling like you're a virgin all over again, like everything is new. Right. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of challenges with defining what are my sexual values and um, how do I get out of my head and into my body? Because now my mind is racing and I'm not using a substance to escape. Do you find a lot of people when they're in their addiction that they've hidden their sexuality in it? Like their true sexual self is hidden by the addiction? Does that make sense? Um, I think that addiction can definitely cloud who we really are inside. Um, to me, it was definitely like a spiritual death and disconnection with who I really am. So yeah, sexuality is a part of that. And I think that a lot of times when people are using, they're doing things sexually that maybe they wouldn't do consciously sober, or they're using sexuality in a way that is not honoring and um, present with themselves. Right. Yeah. Or others. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of that trauma, that interpersonal trauma. And if you're, if yourself is hidden from yourself, I guess, if that makes sense by an addiction, you can't really be yourself there at present. You can't be whole. Yeah. It's about being all of us and honoring and accepting all of ourselves and allowing someone else to see all of us. You know, especially when people have had traumas, it's hard to even honor yourself to begin with. And that's incredibly vulnerable to, to be yourself, to come with your full self, with all of your sexual desire and fantasy and all of that. I mean, it's to me, who we are sexually is like a window into our, our very deepest selves. Absolutely. I always tell people that sexuality is almost like the outer layer of why people start reaching out to me. But what really happens is this deeper personal transformation that you never could have planned for or even asked for to begin with because it is so vulnerable and it gives you access to all parts of yourself, your self-worth, unconditional love and acceptance. So it really, it really goes so much deeper than just how do I have a better orgasm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's part of it, but that's not the whole part. That's not, in some ways, that's a great part. And in some ways, that's not always the best part. Right. And I found that, yeah, I can tell you some tips and techniques and, and tools to do all day long. But if you don't really do the inner work, you're never going to access that part of yourself that's going to bring you to experience that deep connection and intimacy with someone, which really expands your orgasmic energy. 
So you, it's almost like you can't have one without the other. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I work with a lot of people who struggle with compulsive sexual behavior. And what's really, you know, we look at it as an intimacy issue. It, it's this fear to be vulnerable. It's a fear to bring their true self to the relationship. And so their sexuality is in a, in a, in a way hidden. Uh, their true selves are hidden. Yeah, I always found that it was easier to have sex with someone and it was harder to actually develop intimate connections and speak my needs. Like it was easier for me to people please or seek validation through sex or use that to manipulate or control, like is seeking outside of myself. And so being sober, it's really helped me be able to get more present and conscious and clear. Right, yeah. Yeah, which is a whole nother level and to get vulnerable and to have compassion and to, um, yeah, to really authentically connect with someone on a deeper level. Yeah, absolutely. It's so hard. What are some of the, <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, it's vulnerable, yeah, right? It and vulnerability is scary. Yeah, it can be. Absolutely. Yeah, it can be. It can mm -hmm. be. When you're with a safe person, that's different. But in the beginning, especially I think when you're getting sober or you've been sober for a while and you've had a lot of these interpersonal woundings, it can be extremely vulnerable to and scary to make yourself so known. It is because a lot of times we're just getting to know ourselves all over again or we're starting to get to know ourselves for the first time being in addiction from young ages, like even for me, I had to get to know myself. I had to define like, who am I? What am I about? And recovery helped me do that with a lot of different areas of my life. But I found that in a lot of different recovery programs, they don't necessarily address sexuality. So I was like, wow, there's this really great need to recover our sex lives and our sexuality as well, not just these external things like our finances or... Right, yeah. And of course, you know, I think in our culture, uh, we don't want to talk about sex too much, except if we talk about it in these uh, kind of simple, simple ways. We don't want to talk about the vulnerability of sex. You know, it kind of gets hidden. It is. There's a lot of guilt and shame that happens with sexuality. So part of this process is really starting to release the guilt and shame around sexuality in general, and then having compassion for ourselves and forgiveness for ourselves so that we can be open about that. And that's why one of the most important things for me was redefining my sexual values. Yeah, definitely. So tell me a little bit like about when someone comes to you and they're ready to work on this part of themselves. What are some of the things that you see and what are some of the main areas that you usually address with someone who says, okay, it's, it's time for me to heal my sexuality? So I always do assessments first just to kind of get an idea of where people are at and what is most important to them. And then we go from there. But I usually start with the sexual value system, and that's your personal beliefs, your attitudes, and your feelings around sex and sexuality. So sometimes that has to do with doing a little sex history. Right. You know, like growing up, what did I learn about sex from culture or family or my religious beliefs? What have I learned from my own personal experience? 
And sometimes what we learned from those experiences may have been true to a certain extent, but we uncover what the greater truth is. So that's part of the process. And also defining what is sex to you. You know, what is your definition of orgasm? What does this mean? And um, is sex good, bad, creative, connective? Like, what is it for? So really taking the time to really look at your sexuality, understand it, sit with it, talk with somebody who's knowledgeable, understands sexuality, maybe doesn't have some of that sexual shame so they can they can be more open about it? Absolutely, because the coaching relationship is really about having a partner and a guide along the way. Right. Someone that can hold space for you without judgment and meet you where you're at. So a lot of times I found that, you know, people, first of all, don't ever really get sex education that's accurate and that's without judgment or shame. Right, right. So that's a huge piece. And then going deeper into that, just them starting to try to talk about it, they find new words. And so they've never had a space to speak openly about that. So really holding that space to be able to have those conversations is really empowering and insightful because you're getting it out of your head. And, you know, I can mirror back and I can ask questions around, you know, how true is that? You know, what do you want it to be? What are your goals? What do you want to shift? What does that look like? How do you know when you achieved it? Right. And then also, I would think just talking about it when people can talk about their own sexual wants, needs, desires, and fantasies that maybe they have shame about or feel bad about, there's a lot of freedom in that, especially if it's out of the, you know, norm or out of the, out of, uh, yeah, I guess out of the norm or considered out of the norm, which usually isn't really out of the norm, but. Normal is what's normal to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing that I found. And a lot of times, People, they may have sexual fantasies or needs and desires, but from my experience working with people, sometimes they don't even know what that is. They don't even know what they want. They don't know what feels good in their bodies. Um, they don't know what's okay for them. And so sometimes it's a matter of getting into situations and then later being like, oh, that totally sucked. I would rather not do that again. Right. Or going through processes where, we get to figure out what does pleasure feel like in your body? Because a lot of times addiction, you know, it's so numbing and traumatizing and disconnecting that we don't even know what feels good in our own bodies to begin with. So how can I ask for that if I don't even know myself? Right. So it's that process of learning and growing and being with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where, you know, it's a lot of the getting out of your head and into your body. So that first step is kind of getting the stuff straight in your head about what does sexuality mean? What is consent to me? Right, right. What are situations I'm willing to consent to? I had to learn that in the past, I would use sex to people please or to get out of difficult conversations that I didn't want to have. And that's not necessarily like a full yes. You know, so now I've been able to learn how to have those conversations and really define what consent is to me. What what am I willing to engage in? So now that I know this, when I do choose to go to an experience, how can I be present in my body? 
what does pleasure feel like? I have to address like body image issues and choose to really be present. I have to get a sense of confidence confidence in my looks or in my skills. Right. And as you're telling me this, I, I'm thinking about how this work and doing this work in this way is is just so much deeper and in a way right to our wounds. Absolutely. Yeah. It's direct access to anything that is no longer serving you or that's holding you back. And what I found in the past is that I could maybe heal or work through a communication issue, right? In a work relationship or maybe with a friendship, but then it starts showing up in the bedroom. So it's like, I really didn't solve it. I really didn't heal it fully. And once it shows up in the bedroom and with a partner, then I'm like, oh, wow, I'm really willing to take a look at this. Right. Yeah. I've seen that over and over again, especially working in the sex addiction field. You see so much sexual trauma. And a lot of times these activities, these sexual things that they're doing or or or, or having are so much about that trauma experience. And like you said earlier, they're trying to get validation that maybe they didn't get earlier in life through sex but it's not really vulnerable. It's not really real. It's through that trauma lens, I guess. I don't know. What would you say to that? Like when I say that? Yeah, I definitely have seen that in order to kind of get out of our heads and into our bodies and be really present, you do have to heal traumas. And sometimes you do need outside help for that Yeah, with therapists or um, I've done a lot of different, I guess, kind of alternative healing methods, and even yoga, breathing, and meditation. There's a lot of different breathing techniques that can help move energy. You know, for me, I need a lot of intense physical energy, like exercise, in order to even connect with my body and with my emotions. And so just getting into practices like that help me move through the stories of the past and the emotions of the past. And once I can start healing some of that stuff, I'm able to be present in my body and, and actually experience pleasure and know what that feels like. Right. Yeah. And then and then from that point, you can really fulfill your your life. I mean, it's so enriching when you can, can connect to that part of yourself without shame, without guilt, without necessarily that trauma overwhelming you. I mean, it might still be there in some ways, but it's just a, it's a great thing. Yeah. It's, you know, once we start moving through that stuff and starting to connect with our bodies, we need to decide what is it that we actually like. And that's one thing that I have really enjoyed about this latest certification and latest work that I've been doing with the erotic blueprints, because it's, basically like an arousal and typing system. So it's like the five love languages, but for sexuality and pleasure. So we go through and can identify your own blueprint. How do you naturally like to receive pleasure? What does that feel like to you? And then we can start to go deeper into feeding that, feeding yourself and understanding someone else's blueprints 
I don't really believe that people are sexually incompatible. I think they're just not really speaking the same language. So it helps you to create conversations around consent and around sexuality and around pleasure without judgment and be able to see that, oh, my way isn't better or worse than anyone else's. It might just be different. So I know how to feed myself. How can I feed my partner? How can I expand into their blueprint? And what's showing up that I can heal around this? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's where it all, it all comes there if we're willing to be open to it. Yeah, and stuff comes up. Even when we heal traumas from the past, there could be new stuff that arises. And it just could be because it's new. A lot of people that are in recovery or even just trying to have sexual experiences and relationships without having to use alcohol to loosen up or step into that space, they actually are doing this for the first time. And so stuff is going to show up that maybe we didn't know or didn't plan for because we're stepping into a new space. So having the tools to be able to address that and have conversations around it so you can move through it is really powerful. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, we're talking a lot about a lot of like the trauma and the underlying pain that can come as we heal our sexuality. What about, what would you say, you know, someone who is starting their recovery process and beginning to look at this, what would be your piece of advice to them as they start this journey? So I would say start noticing when you're wanting to to engage or when are you engaging, just start to create some awareness around that. I know in a lot of recovery programs, they say don't have any sexual relationships or any relationships in the first year, which I understand, but most people don't do that. Right, right. So, so that's great and a nice time and everything, but people are still going to do what they're going to do. So maybe just one, creating some awareness around that. You know, why am I reaching out for this relationship or for sex? And that can lead you to start defining those sexual values. In the past, what has sex meant to me? What have I used it for? Right. What does it mean? You know, what type of relationships do I actually want to have? And you can define your relationships however you want for where you're at. It's just a matter of communicating that honestly and openly so the other person can have an opportunity to make a conscious decision for themselves. So the first thing is really starting to create awareness around this. Right. You know, when you're talking a lot about this, it reminds me of practicing mindfulness. So being present in the moment and using the skills of mindfulness to be aware of your physical space, your internal space, you know, your external space, and really paying attention to that as you move forward. But that can be difficult when you're coming out of... uh, when you're moving into recovery, because you have so many emotions that are really powerful and strong and, you know, it can be difficult. Absolutely. And yeah, I had a sponsor tell me the good news is you get to have feelings and the bad news is you get to have feelings. Yeah. You know, Um, so yeah, having all of that start to rush in is a challenge, but there's also a sense of disconnection from feeling too. You know, so there can be times where there's a lot of feelings going on. And then there's times when 
I didn't feel anything at all. Right, yeah. So kind of navigating that and yeah, creating awareness around it. The mindfulness is very important. And I do have a lot of like Buddhist type practices and Taoist practices, but, you know, to come into present with your body and with your intention is really the only way that you can authentically step into pleasure. So for me, what came up when you were talking was, you know, not judging these emotions because I wanted to judge them and say, okay, well, happy is acceptable. Euphoria and bliss and pleasure, that's acceptable. But sad is not okay. And angry is certainly not okay. And um, I'm not allowed to be afraid of anything, right? Like I've had all these walls up and all these defense mechanisms to keep me safe. And that may have served me in the past, but that's no longer serving me anymore. So I had to really start to take a look at what emotions am I judging as acceptable and not acceptable? And then to come into a space of, guess what? I'm allowed to have all the emotions and I'm going to have all the emotions. So being an acceptance of what is arising for me right now? Where does that live in my body? What thoughts and mental images are showing up in relation to that? Yes, definitely. And I, I think as we're, as we're talking, I think what I've learned in recovery is that sexuality has been a key part in that deep healing. Yeah, absolutely. And that we can't escape that <laughs> because our sexuality to me is attached to our spirit, our soul. That's what you want to call it, our, our deeper selves. And so this is such incredible work that you're doing. And it sounds like you're so passionate about it and just loving about it. Yeah, very passionate and loving. I am unconditional love. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the truth is in sexology, they talk about we are sexual beings from conception until death. At no stage of our development or our lives are we not sexual beings. We simply have different stages of sexual development and exploration that we go through at different times of our lives. So you can never dissect sexuality from a person. Right. Absolutely. And unfortunately, I think we do that a lot in our culture and uh, we ignore it and we have a lot of hangups and hopefully that's slowly healing and, and hopefully we're moving in a better direction around it. So as we're coming up on our time, if someone out there is listening to this and you wanted to tell them something about this, what would you say to them? I would say that you know within yourself what's right for you and whether, you know, whether or not you're ready to go on that journey. We're all on this journey. And that if you're ready to step into that fully and have someone partner with you to reach out and just know that you're exactly where you're supposed to be, no matter where that is, and that everything is all divine time. And it's according to some plan that's greater than our own, but that it is possible for you to have a fulfilling and healthy sex life and you deserve pleasure. Pleasure is our divine right. Absolutely. 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 If people want to find you, how can they get a hold of you? So I have a website and it's called holisticprogressions.com. 
I also have a YouTube that's Holistic Progressions. And you can find me on Instagram at sexcoach underscore Stacy. And then I've got a Facebook group that I just started called Sober Intimacy, where I've been posting some different articles around sober sexuality and um, different topics related to sober sexuality. I use the word sober intimacy on Facebook just because of um, getting banned and content and things like that. Instagram's a little nicer, but um, (laughs) so that's um, a group. It's unfortunate in a way. I mean, it's like, come on. (laughs) Yeah. So um, sober intimacy group on Facebook. And then I also have a holistic progressions Facebook. And then my personal Facebook is Stacey Isidro. But email is very easy. It's holisticprogressions at gmail.com. Awesome. And I will put all of that information in the show notes at theaddictedmind.com. Stacy, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your wisdom. I think this is such an important topic. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to share. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. All the show notes will be at theaddictedmind.com forward slash 95. If you're enjoying The Addicted Mind, please rate and review us in iTunes or share the podcast with a friend and join our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and type in The Addicted Mind Podcast, click join and continue the conversation online there. Once again, please share your message of hope so that other people who are struggling can hear it. They can hear that recovery is possible, that things get better and that we do heal. If that's a fit for you, just go to theaddictedmind.com and click on messages of hope and record your audio there. And hopefully I'm gonna get enough of those that we can feature them on the Addicted Mind podcast so that it's not just my voice, but it's your voice. Voices of people out there who have recovery and have gone through it and have gotten to the other side. Sometimes in the midst of our pain, it can be hard to hold on to hope and hearing other people who have gotten through it gives us the strength to continue. So if that's a fit for you, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful day and I will talk to you on the next episode. It's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. 
Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.